B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Nina Roshofsky, who is B2B Marketing Lead at Uber for Business. Nina, very, very good to have you on the show. Great to be here. Wonderful. Well, look, before we dive into our conversation and of course our provocative truth, um, just probably a moment just for you to introduce yourself for people that haven't yet met you. Um, Could you just tell us a little bit about, you know, the role you're doing at the moment and maybe your route into marketing? Yeah, sure. So I, I guess probably like many marketers started my career as a journalist. Um, So started very much in the journalism and then moved over to a content manager role. Mm -hmm. And from there moved a little bit to content marketing and then wider sort of more generalist marketing roles. Um, first in B2C, and then I transitioned to B2B um, in very much in the startup world. So I was working, um, yeah, B2B marketing teams in, in a, a couple different startups um, for, yeah, the better part of a decade. And then only seven months ago, really, I, I made the jump to, to Uber, so a much bigger company, um, but working on the B2B side. So Uber for Business, which is Uber's business offering. Excellent. Cool. Well, I mean, there, there's a number of different angles that maybe I could take there. And I definitely want to explore around the, sort of the journalism aspect later. But to start us off, um, the provocative truth I want to pose to you. I mean, you, you just mentioned there in terms of B2C to B2B. And there seems to be this obsession within marketing. You know, are you a B2B marketer or are you a B2C marketer? So the provocative truth that I put to you is that it's an arbitrary, arbitrary distinction and people get unnecessarily hung up on that. Do you think that's true or do you think that there are really important differences between them? No, I mean, I, th- I think that's absolutely true. I think in terms of the goal of marketing, be it B2B or B2C, they're largely the same. What are, what are you trying to do in your marketing? You're trying to evoke some sort of emotion and get somebody to do some sort of action, you know, mm-hmm. whether that action is to, to purchase a... Uh, a uh, package holiday on the beach, or which I would like to do right now, <laughs> or uh, book a demo with a, a salesperson to talk about a, a marketing software. Whatever it is, whatever the the goal is, um, the the overall goal of what you're doing is is the same. The thing that differs, obviously, are are the KPIs. You know, with with B two C, you're you're going directly to the consumer. With B two B, you're trying to generate leads and then nurture them, and and ultimately sales teams are involved. Um, you know, the tactics might vary a little bit, but I would say overall, marketing is marketing. You know, people are people. So. That's great. I, I was really interested, like the almost the, um, it was in the first sentence, whether or not it was the first couple of words that you sort of used to answer my question. There is that it's all about evoking emotion. And then for that to drive to behavior. Is that something you feel having moved from B2C to B2B is understood within B2B? Because I think that if I'd asked that question of a lot of other B2B marketers, they might get to that point. But I don't think emotion would be in the first sentence. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in my experience, I, I've seen a lot, be it at companies I've worked for or just ads that I see that I'm, you know, as a marketer targeted with a mm. lot of, you know, MarTech ads or, or what have you. Um, and I think it, it kind of goes back to the same idea that I, I've always really believed that your job as a marketer is 
to get people to care because mm. ultimately, like fundamentally, nobody cares about your products. Like your goal <laughs> is to get them to care. Um, and I think, yeah, in in one would hope that lots of marketers see it that way. I think you can fall into the trap of, of not and just sort of focus, especially in, in the SaaS world or the tech world, focus on product-led marketing or or talking mm. about all these, you know, the best tech and why it's improved and da-da-da-da, but not focusing on, you know, the the emotion that you're trying to evoke that maybe, even maybe that emotion is, I'm going to be able to save more time and spend it with my kids tonight because I have this tool mm. that's going to give me back an hour of my day because it's that much easier. Whatever it is that you're trying to evoke, I think it's, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, that is absolutely music to our ears. And, you know, clearly we have a degree of bias <laughs> in this because uh, that's a huge focus for us. And you know, the language we use is all around sort of you've got to understand that human truth. And if you understand the human truth, then you can get what that emotional reaction is, or as we say, visceral reaction. But more, more on that later. So if we're thinking about how we get to that human truth, which is, as I say, and I don't think it's sort of too controversial, the key to getting the emotional um, reaction. For you, as you came into a B2B environment, what was the sort of process that you applied to understand what would be those emotional drivers that you need to to trigger. Um, yeah, how did you go about thinking about the B2B buyer, having thought of thought about a B2C buyer and build something emotional in correspondence? Yeah, I mean, I think, as I said before, at the end of the day, people are people. Yeah. So whether your buyer is a buyer for a software at work or a buyer of a, a T-shirt, mm. they're still a person. So I think, you know, for, for me, it's very much the same. Understanding that buyer, why would they be interested in buying your product? What kind of pain point are you solving? How can it make their lives better? What challenges do they face day to day now, mm -hmm. again, that your problem can solve? Just truly understanding that. I mean, and I think... Lots of companies have sort of personas or all these like mm. I, mass ideas, but I think ultimately it's, it's talking to people who are current customers, getting into their heads, like what made you cross the line that you wanted to purchase this product? How does it make your life better? How, what could be better about the product? You know, understanding these things like at a human level, I think enables you to be a better marketer, B2B or, or otherwise. Absolutely. I, I think to be honest, it's because your starting point is to try and get to that emotional point that I think that is potentially the reason why it's been successful. Because I can imagine that for a lot of um, people going through a process of, you know, trying to put together a persona or trying to get into the head of your your buyer, and if you think about pain points, you actually, rather than going down the sort of, okay, well, what does that mean from a feeling perspective? You go to a thinking perspective mm. and it might be, well, how can we make a process more efficient and therefore we can knock X amount of time and X amount of time translates to X amount of value that can be returned to the business. Da, 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 da. Um, have you witnessed people sort of falling into that that trap a little bit? Yeah, I mean, all the time. I'm, I'm uh, amazed sometimes by the ads that I will be targeted yeah. with or the messages I'll receive on LinkedIn where, you know, I can tell they you're they're so deep into their product that they don't get outside of it into, you know, like, I don't know this technical lingo you're using. Maybe your product would actually really benefit me. But the way that it's being sort of explained puts so much assumed knowledge on me, mm. the prospective buyer. Um, and I, yeah, I see that all the time, I would say. I think a lot of companies are, are guilty of doing that, especially in the, in the tech space. Yeah. Do you think that there's a, sh a positive shift, though, uh, within B2B marketing or within technology marketing? I appreciate that, you know, we can't lump 
everything under a big B2B banner because, you know, there are nuances. But do you, do you feel that in general there is a bit of a shift to more sort of understanding of the audience's people and messages corresponding to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it largely depends on, on the business, obviously. Yeah. Um, but for sure, there's so many great examples of B2B companies doing different things and doing cool things that I hope that the, you know, the rest of the industry follows suit. But certainly, certainly some people are. Cool. And I don't want to sort of prejudge my question, which I'm going to ask later, but is there anything that's particularly cool that you're seeing within B2B marketing at the moment? Um, I saw recently, it might not even be that recent, but I saw a funny ad from Slack. Yeah. Have you seen this? It's like a mockumentary kind I've of. I've seen the, I've, if it's, is it a new one or is it the old one? It might one? have been an older one. I'm but not I sure. think I, I am, and, you yeah. know, they're interviewing people are sort of sitting on the sort of yeah, the couch like and being interviewed. Company, and, yeah. yeah, before I had Slack, I really didn't know what I was doing. That sort of idea. Yeah, but it's like very satirical, yeah. which I thought <laughs> was, yeah, like yeah, I <laughs> thought that that was funny. Like just really making fun of themselves as a yeah. company too, which, yeah. Well, I think that um, comedy and humor is, I mean, it's underutilized in, in marketing just full stop, but within B2B, it really is underutilized. And it's so powerful that, you know, ability to make someone laugh because you make someone laugh, it's a catalyst for them to engage with you further. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. So anyway, so taking it back to, well, this sort of dichotomy that exists, um, do, do, you, do you think that almost within B2B organizations, when you're in larger corporate organizations and you've got the benefit of having worked in a startup and a big organization, that it's when you're in those big network organizations that you almost lose that little bit of touch and that bit of feel in terms of, of your target audience. And that's when you end up going down to the sort of super rational route. Yeah, I will say, I think a, a pro of working in a startup in is, you know, obviously depending on the stage of the startup, but definitely early stage, but even, you know, later on, I think you as a marketer oftentimes will find a totally blank canvas and you can kind of create and test. And at least the startups I've worked for have very much had mm. this sort of test and learn. Let's see what works. Let's see what resonates, that type of approach. Whereas when you're in a bigger organization, you know, even the tiniest change of color needs to be run yeah. by brand teams and legal. And it's just not, I would say, as uh, fluid and, and straightforward to be able to kind of be like, let's mm. try this. Let's try that. And, and you know, I'm, I'm assuming you'd think that that's, it's detrimental not having that sort of iterative, agile sort of approach. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes and no. I think the flexibility to test new things is is much is exciting from mm. a marketing standpoint and, and being able to kind of have that trial and error. Um, obviously, being in, in a bigger brand, especially, you know, like for myself, a big consumer brand, we've obviously found a brand identity that works and sort yeah. of messaging that works. So on that level, it's, you know, why fix what's not broken in some ways. Um but yeah, I, I would say there's there's pros and cons of both. <laughs> I know, I can imagine. And but are, are there certain things when it comes to sort of the um, the, the the trial and error sort of like approach that you, you referred to, or being intimate with the, your customers and understanding them, them properly? Are there any sort of things that you've brought across from being in a startup environment to a big corporate environment that you feel has been super beneficial? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of times in sort of big corporates, they very much have the kind of, this is how we do things mm. and this is the approach and this doesn't work and this does work and this is where we're going. Um, 
And I think coming from more of a startup background and and being able to test all of these different things, yeah. it's enabled me to come into my current role and be a little bit more, um, you know, why don't we try this? Like this, maybe it won't work, but I've done, seen this work before. Why don't we just, you know? Yeah. And I think it, there's there's ability to do that. I think that for me, the thing that's really cool about Uber for Business is, and you know, this is kind of how it was pitched to me during the interview process, which <laughs> I'm really, about to be pitched. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, I, I won't pitch the I won't pitch Uber for Business, but um, is that it sort of operates as this like startup within Uber. Cool. Yeah. So I think that there is definitely more of that mentality of of you know let's let's test mm. um, than maybe there is in in the wider organization. And is your team made up of people from B2C backgrounds or is it mainly B2B people that have been brought in? It's a bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Any tensions between the legacy B2Bers <laughs> and the legacy B2Cers? No, not really, actually. Yeah. Cool. And and just to sort of, um, again, it's a little bit of a follow-up of what we've been talking about, but I think that it's so key to really understand your 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 audience. And you spoke about that importance um, earlier. What what are the things that you specifically do to make sure that you do have that audience understanding and you have a more of a nuanced understanding rather than just a sort of generic persona of, well, this job title would have this particular pain point? Yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say for, for Uber for Business that makes it tricky that in, in previous organizations we've had, you know, maybe one or two types of buyers that these are, they're all HR or mm. something, what have you. With Uber for Business, we have like 10 different types of buyers that are all completely different with completely different sort of pain points that mm. we're sort of selling completely different products or, you know, things into. So it does make it challenging, I will <laughs> say. Um, but to go back to your question, I mean, I think as I, as I mentioned previously, it is really, really deeply understanding sort of from a, you know, what the sales process is, what are the conversations that they're having, sitting in on demos, really hearing customers, and then also meeting customers yeah. and and talking to them and finding out these same questions. Um, we do a lot of, or we have recently sort of in the, now that things are open era, we've been doing a lot of like in-person events where I'm able to meet a lot of customers, yeah. but also like prospects that are, are very much in this space. I mean, I don't come from the travel industry, so mm. it's been a big learning for me too, to just sort of understand what are what are the things that make these people tick. Um, but yeah, I think again, just talking to people. Cool. <laughs> I, well, I, like, I like the description of this is the open era. So <laughs> post-COVID is the, the, the open era. Um, and when it comes to sort of speaking to the people, at, whether that's at sort of a, a trade show, whether that's because you've gone along to a product demo or whatever it is. Um, do you find that your background as a journalist has helped that just in terms of asking those right questions and starting to, well, in a positive way, interrogate them to find out the information, but then also being able to piece that together into a story as well? Absolutely. I mean, I am thankful for my journalism background probably every day for a multitude of mm. reasons. Um, but yeah, it, certainly. I mean, I think it being trained as a journalist really makes you, and I don't know if you're <laughs> trained as a journalist, you're definitely a trained uh, <laughs> questioner. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it really makes you, uh, I think, be able to under, and this is something very much that you tap into in marketing too, but understand your audience mm. and communicate with that audience effectively and find, you know, what is the angle that this audience will have as opposed to this audience mm. and and be able to sort of frame questions that you can, you know, the out, not necessarily, you know, the outcome that you want specifically in this, but you know, the, the type of sort of response you want to 
and you're able to kind of shape the questions accordingly, if that makes sense. No, no, it does make sense. And it's something that we, because, so I'm not actually a trained journalist, but in terms <laughs> of the background of Alan, we sort of, uh, we came from Raconteur, which is yeah. Raconteur, which was a publishing organization, so very, very journalistic. And we've really looked to carry that through. And I think that having that journalistic approach to whether you're researching something or whether you're writing a story is, is super helpful. And certainly in terms of when you're interviewing someone or speaking to them, I always find it's that ability to be comfortable having an unstructured conversation, knowing what you want to get, but knowing that you can take an unstructured route potentially to get there, which I think yeah, is Yeah, absolutely. Helpful. I mean, one thing you you just touched on, which I think, again, sort of <laughs> thankful for the journalism background yeah. is, is as a journalist, you have to really become this subject matter expert mm. very quickly about, you know, a <laughs> wide range of things. And it really pushes you to be able to deeply, deeply research and sort of understand and be able to communicate in a very straightforward sort of basic way mm. um, that, yeah, I mean, I, I could not be more thankful for that skill because I, I use it probably, yeah, every day in marketing, especially, I mean, Uber is is a more straightforward sort of a product offering, mm. but I've also worked in in companies um, with pretty complex, you know, technologies. That how do you explain these really really complex things in a digestible mm. kind of easy to follow way? Um, so yeah, I hone in on I think those skills all the time. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I always be sort of a, a champion of journalists within marketing, and I think as you said there, it's like almost it. It helps with all of the different dimensions of marketing. But one thing it clearly must help with, and you mentioned in terms of your, your routine, is the content marketing sort of side of things. Now, I'd be really interested to get your opinion on what is the role of content, and specifically, I think, things like thought leadership within B2B marketing. Um, and just to sort of get a little bit of sort of extra information to that, you know, Content marketing is a sort of a trend, which I think probably really kicked off in like maybe 2013, 2014 or whatever it is. It absolutely exploded, really, really dominant within uh, B2B. But in terms of people talking about it, it seems to have sort of fallen away a bit. That's despite there's higher spend on content than ever before within B2B. But what's your opinion on where things like thought leadership fit within the B2B marketing mix? Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen sort of the content or content marketing function be very different in, in different yeah. organizations. Um, I've been in organizations where content strategy is entirely around SEO. So, yeah. you know, everything is very, very much written in with SEO in mind, and, and that is the content strategy. Um, and then also there's other, in other organizations, content is much more, yes, as you said, thought leadership, but also creating more sort of lead magnet type things mm -hmm. like ebooks and white papers or reports and that type of stuff um, where you're pushing them on on paid social and trying to get, you know, for, with yeah. a form fill that you're trying to collect people's information, that type of stuff. Um, I mean, I think it's always this, as a B2B marketer, it's always this balance of how much of, of what you want to do is about lead generation and really just generating leads mm -hmm. and also, you know, brand awareness and, and building the brand, which I think you can do very well with you know, and more thought leadership pieces. And you can sometimes do the two at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's a, I think it's very much depends on kind of the organization, how they see content fit. Definitely. I mean, I think from my own perspective, which I think is the lines of what you're saying is content has to be um, a continual sort of like factor in your sort of marketing. And, but it has that breadth, it has those different dimensions. So I think just to sort of like think of further about sort of that that marketing mix is where do you see advertising 
within B2B. Now, traditionally, you know, advertising, there are exceptions, but it's B2C in terms of you're doing that big sort of above the line sort of like campaign activity to a mass market. But I think there's been some really interesting examples recently. And again, I think that the conversation is starting to change where B2B brands are understanding that if they do want to grow their brand and they want to get some of those, you know, big brand effects, they need to invest in advertising as well. From your perspective, is that starting to enter the consideration? Yeah. I mean, I think like going back to an earlier point, people mm. are people. So yeah. really, where are your, you know, prospective customers, whether, you know, and I've had this debate before about even, for example, let's say paid social channels heard in, you know, with friends or previous companies, you know, oh, we can't, we can't advertise on, on Facebook or, or Meta because it's not a business platform. We need to focus on the mm. business platforms. We need to only advertise on LinkedIn. Well, no, your same audience from LinkedIn is largely on Facebook and the cost per acquisition is just cheaper, but they're the same people, you know? And I think that goes really in line with, with advertising too. People are people wherever they are, whether they're at their office and, you know, they're on these traditional sort of B2B channels or otherwise. I think that that element doesn't change. And if your marketing campaign is good enough to, again, evoke some emotion and, yeah. and push them to want to do something, it doesn't actually matter where they see it. They're still going to remember it. Exactly. And I think that you said, I mean, I would agree with everything, but I think specifically you said, you know, if your advertising campaign is good enough. And I think that that's why looking at advertising as part of the solution is, is so important because advertising, if it's done well, is that opportunity to do something which really captures attention, which actually really permanently permeates the consciousness of your target audience. And that is the goal of brand is to get that sort of that recall ability, that memorability, um, which is very, very difficult to do with other mediums and where advertising and creative advertising can be so effective. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Which is a really, really nice segue to my final question. And I know that I kind of stuffed it up a little bit because I started asking you about questions <laughs> that things you've seen that you liked. But um, every, every podcast we do, um, at the end, we always ask, um, when was the last time that you saw, you know, whether it was a piece of advertising, whether it was a piece of communication, whether it was, you know, even a meme, I, I, I don't know what, but it was a piece of marketing communication that you really felt in your guts that had that sort of strong emotional reaction for you. It doesn't have to be in B2B, it can be in B2C. Um, what comes to mind? So I did think long and hard trying to find a B2B one, <laughs> and I couldn't find one that really evoked a, an yeah. intense emotion. So I don't know what that says, but um, so yeah, it's again, I don't know if this was like recent or not, but are you familiar with the company Woolrich? The clothing company? Yeah. I am familiar with, yes. So they have this ad that's like this pool of oil and all of these people are submerged in this pool swimming yeah. and like get out and oil is just, like their entire bodies are covered in oil and it just drips off them. And then it's mm. like messaging around um, like fossil fuel and basically it's promoting their like sustainable mm. clothing. But I, yeah, I found it so powerful. I watched it multiple times. Um, I think just because it, it shows like in such a, you know, visceral way, yes. like this is how much um, like fossil fuel is being used to create this, these clothes, you know. So I thought that was, yeah, that was a very good one. Yeah, I think I might have seen it because I think that it, it, in, in addition to being powerful from a, a messaging and a visual perspective, I think certainly my memory is it is quite, you had a beautiful quality to it yeah, as well, which is quite arresting. Like yeah, it was also like visually beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like a very strikingly shot ad as well. 
Fantastic. Well, Nina, thank you very, very much for joining us. That was a really, really interesting conversation. Uh, and I'm glad we managed to cover all of those three bases <laughs> that you sort of introduced when you gave your introduction. I, I mean, I think for me, sort of listening to that conversation, reflecting back on the provocative truth that I gave about sort of, you know, is it an arbitrary distinction? Now, I think my probably conclusion is, is that it's not a totally arbitrary distinction. However, what unites the two is far greater than what divides the two. And if people, or marketers rather, can get that focus of understanding their audience, it doesn't matter whether you're B2B or whether you're B2C, if you can understand how they're thinking, feeling, and what is going to evoke that emotional response, as you say, that puts you on the right path to being a good, effective marketer, which is about being memorable and changing behavior. So Nina, thank you very much. Thank you. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.